This October, Overwatch 2 arrives. I'm going to give you a rundown on what to expect from the new free-to-play, team-based shooter game. There are a ton of epic heroes to play, each with their own unique abilities, personalities, and roles. Charge into battle as a guerrilla scientist, take aim as a cybernetic super soldier, or heal up your team as a rollerblading DJ. No matter what mode you play, work together to get that dub. Overwatch 2, free to play October 4th. On a beautiful run through the park on a pleasant day, you can easily get lost. No, no, no! She didn't kill him. Huh? In your true crime podcast. It was the pool guy. So obvious. Whatever motivates you works for us. It's all about letting your run be your run. And Brooks is here for every runner, doing the research and sweating the details to create gear that works for you. It's your run. Brooks, run happy. Hello and welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you to the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day from a sports betting perspective. With pro handicappers Alex B. Smith, Andrew McKinnis, and Ian Cameron, and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Monday, January the 10th, Ian Cameron with you. Andrew McGinnis will be along momentarily as well. Back for another new week starting today and ready to break down the Monday NHL card. We have three games on tap uh, in NHL action uh, for this uh, Monday uh, slate. Of course, four of them have been postponed. This was initially supposed to be a seven-game National Hockey League slate tonight. Four games have been postponed, so we are down to just three games left standing. And we'll, of course, break those down for you here on the Monday edition of the uh, Ice Guys uh, here, courtesy of the Hockey Podcast Network. Before we get in to today's card, I want to mention uh, a very uh, sad bit of news that we uh, had to uh, learn yesterday, and that is the passing of Brian Blessing. Now, he is someone that uh, a lot of people in the hockey community, in the hockey betting community, and the sports betting community uh, have heard and have known uh, over the years. And I have been able to meet with Brian and talk to Brian multiple times in some of the previous stops and visits that I've made to Las Vegas uh, over the last decade. And this was a difficult piece of news, even for me as someone that uh, only met and talked to Brian probably, I would say, two or three times uh, in the past. And uh, many of those were five to ten years ago, not any time recently. But Brian Blessing is a guy that I've been listening to do shows and radio and some video work as well uh, in recent years, uh, going all the way back to when he was on the Hardcore Sports Radio Network and the score uh, 10 plus years ago with my good friends, uh, Gabriel Morenci, Cam Stewart, uh, who have been uh, good friends of mine for a long time. I've done shows with them for years now. And Brian Blessing was always on the air. Anytime they, uh, Gabe and Cam wanted Brian on the show, it didn't matter uh, if Brian was busy or had other things to do. He would always make time uh, to be on that show with uh, Gabe and Cam. And not only a terrific show host, and he was always that, um, he, you know, he was the guy, someone that built the show that he hosted sports book radio, which he started, I believe, you know, in the mid two thousands, if I'm not mistaken, probably like 15, 20 years ago, he started that show. And when Brian blessing started that sports betting related, uh, radio show, sports book radio, 
that was back in an era when, you know, it wasn't the sports betting content explosion uh, across the internet or on the airwaves, on radio, or any other medium at that time. It was just very rare to be able to find a show dedicated to sports betting. And Brian Blessing hosted Sportsbook Radio for a long time. He did a great job with that show. He knew the betting markets. He, you know, he would interview odds makers. He would bring on, you know, respected handicappers uh, on that show uh, with him. And it was truly one of its kind. So, you know, Brian Blessing, not only a great host, not only a great better who knew sports betting, who loved hockey, who had a passion for the Buffalo Sabres, of course, started his career in the 80s, you know, as a news anchor or sports anchor and a sports reporter for uh, a channel that I, you know, get on cable. If you get cable, in my area here, Hamilton, Southern Ontario, you get the Buffalo local channels. You get your WKBW, ABC Buffalo. You get WIVB, Channel 4 News Buffalo. You get WUTV, Fox Buffalo. You get all those channels. And Brian Blessing was a sports anchor and sports reporter for WIVB Buffalo, Channel 4. In the 80s, in the 90s, covering the Bills, covering the Sabres. He hosted Hockey Hotline which was a show in the Western New York area, mostly talking about Buffalo Sabres hockey. He hosted that with Mike Robitaille. You know, it was a guy that was on Buffalo Sabres broadcast for a very long time on television. So he had a great career there. And then he decided, I'm going to move to Las Vegas because sports betting is a passion of mine. And I want to try to see if I can, you know, go to Las Vegas, make a career for myself and something different when his time with the uh, uh, with WIVB uh, as a reporter and an anchor ended. And sure enough, he had a great Time in Las Vegas, a great run there as, you know, hosting Sportsbook Radio, doing a bunch of things, hosting a bunch of events, Super Contest Weekend, which, of course, was have been hosted by the Westgate all these years. Jay Cornegay would put that on, and I've been there to multiple uh, Super Contest Weekends that have the seminar on the Friday uh, of the Super Contest Weekend, and, and Brian Blessing would host those and MC those events. And um, just great moments, uh, you know, Alex B. Smith and I, you know, and by the way, Alex is coming back this week on the show. But Alex B. Smith and I uh, would go to the Super Contest weekend. Some, five, you know, we're talking six to ten years ago now when this happened. Um, and Brian Blessing would host um, and did a great job of that. And the last thing I'm going to say about Brian, because I've talked about what he's done in his career and work-wise and in the sports betting world, his love and his passion for hockey. The most important element of Brian is the man that he was. He was genuine. He was jovial. He was funny to be around. He had a wicked sense of humor. He would rib you. He would jab you. And God knows he did that to Gabe and Cam a lot. And if you listen to all their old shows, uh, Marenzi and Cam Stewart with Brian Blessing, you'll know that. I mean, he was he would jab them. He'd rib them like crazy, but it was never mean-spirited. It was never malicious. It was never out of hateful intent. It was always good fun, good, you know, to get a laugh out of you. Uh, that's the kind of guy he was. He'd always care about you as a person. He'd do so many things I know for Cam in the past, and Cam can vouch for that. Brian Blessing's been there for Cam in a lot of different situations. He would always be interested in how are you feeling? What's going on in your life? Is everything okay with you? And he'd really care. He'd be interested. And it's just it it suck it does suck so bad, Kyle. It does. As someone that didn't know Brian a tenth as well as say Gabe Morenci good friend of mine, Cam Stewart, good friend of mine, Dana Lane, good friend of mine. I already sent a message to Dana Lane. I mean, he is absolutely distraught with this news. Him and Brian were so close and great, great friends. Um, 
it's a really, really sad day, and it's a gigantic loss. It's a gigantic loss for him and what he's done meant to the sports betting community, the hockey community, his love for this sport that we talk about every day, hockey, uh, the shows he's done. Right now, he was do- in the midst of doing a show with Alex B. Smith and, of course, Dana Lane on the BetUS channel uh, for NHL hockey, hosting that show. And to tell you what kind of guy Brian was, here he is fighting the illness that he's been battling with. Um, and here he was, I believe, last week, I believe it was Thursday, somehow pulling his way up out of his you know, tough physical situation he's in and doing a show. That's Brian. I mean, Brian would want the story or, or the show to go on, uh, and that's exactly what we're going to do. So we're going we're gonna to make this episode of The Ice Guys in honor and tribute of Brian Blessing because this is a big loss. We're all feeling it today. Uh, rest in peace, Brian Blessing. Uh, Rick Rickshaw, as uh, Gabe and Cam would call him uh, back in the day. That's an inside joke. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, it's 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 stunning. It's unfortunate. It's sad. And we're all going to miss Brian Blessing, a great guy and, and, and an incredible uh, contributor and member of the community of sports betting, hockey, you name it. And I know the Sabres and the Golden Knights uh, organizations, both on their Twitter accounts, their official Twitter accounts, acknowledged the passing of Brian Blessing. The Sabres Twitter did, and of course the Golden Knights Twitter did, because again, he's hosting Vegas shows on radio these days, and a lot of it's about the Golden Knights. Brian Blessing was hosting those, um, and uh, they paid homage to Brian, and rightfully so. He will be missed. Make no mistake about that. Um, Andrew McGinnis with us now. Obviously, Andrew, you never, I don't believe, got the chance to meet uh, Brian, but I'm sure you know a bunch of people that did know brian and got to talk to him and uh let's just say we're feeling it today uh this is a loss definitely for all of us the uh, passing of brian blessing absolutely and it, you know it just uh it it's 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 something where you know like you said i never met him personally uh, i watched some of the shows he's done and it's something where you can see the pain and the people that knew him and and you know the people that he was closest with and then I started to feel sick to my stomach yesterday. You know, I, I was actually listening to Gabe, Joe, and George Kurtz live on the show when Gabe found out. Um, and it just made me sick to my stomach. And I didn't even know the guy. Um, so I could only imagine how the people that were close with him, um, you know, he's got kids, you know, a wife and, and all that. But, you know, I guess it, it just, it, you know, the only thing I can really say is that I've heard just how much of a great person he was generous, uh, always offering his time to help people and comedic. And the fact that this guy would come back or the fact that Brian, I should say, would come back on Thursday um, to work, you know, to feel a little bit better. And, and yeah, I know Cam and George were filling in for him on sports grid and uh, it's just, it's just horrible. So uh, my deepest condolences to his family and loved ones. It's just, it's absolutely awful. Um, and the fact that he was doing a show with Alex and, and Dana Lane, uh, who we used to work with, Dana, um, I'm speechless. I mean, I couldn't imagine. And it puts everything in perspective, you know, like just just in general. I, I think that, uh, you know, my friends call me a big softy sometimes, but it's just sometimes you just had to put things in perspective. Like we're just so, you know, we, we always talk about how much we love doing this show together. And the community we have here, you know, in our live chat right now, but it's just, it's unbelievable, you know, like I, I, I met you Ian for the first time a couple of weeks ago 
but I've known you for like five years, you know, the, the, the fact that I can tell so many of my family members and, and friends and like my, my grandmother that I've made so many friends from all across Canada and America that I've barely ever even met in person once, you know, now finally meeting you, but you were my friend for years before we even met in person ever, you know, and it's just, it's very, very, um, it's great that we're able to meet so many people, but it's also, you, you, you know, you, you meet so many people and then, you know, seeing what happened and how many people he connected with the powers of radio and social media and stuff. You can, you could just see yesterday it flooding in how much, you know, he really impacted people. So, it just it, to me it put things put things in perspective, Ian. You know, it just makes you sit back for a second. You saw it on Sports Grid. Do you think George and Joe and and Gabe want to talk about the the Steelers anymore? The Steelers didn't mean shit in the moment, and they don't. They don't mean they don't mean anything at all anymore. You know, when something you like that happens, like that. right? Yeah, hundred percent. This, true. this yeah. is just a game. You know, we're blessed with the career paths that we have to do shows and write articles and and talk about picks. You know, that's just all. It's it's just perspective. Yeah, and uh, look, my stomach was in knots for two, three solid hours when I heard the news, and I didn't know or see Brian or talk to him half as much as, like I say, all the other people I mentioned uh, did. And just because the few times I've been with him and all the times I've heard him on air doing shows with a bunch of friends of mine, with Gabe and Cam and Dana and Alex, and you go on down the list, and he just always made it fun. I mean, he, and he, and he'd always, and he'd be, he, he'd want to, you know, get it entertaining and getting a little bit of a debate and an argument, but it was never malicious. It was just, you know, to entertain and have a difference of opinion. And, and you know, I think of all the times too, uh, with Dana and Brian on their show, especially lately, they're like two brothers, you know, they're just, you know, ribbing each other back and forth. They got the little, you know, jabs back and forth with one another. <laughs> I mean, you think about how close they were. And that's why my heart just it, – it's torn for Dana today because I know that's like a brother to him, Brian Blessing, and a best friend, uh, if you will. So uh, just really, really sad news uh, with the uh, passing uh, of uh, Brian Blessing. Someone will all miss – and I will um, instruct – or not instruct, but recommend to all of you, do yourselves a great favor because I guarantee it's going to put a smile on your face. You're going to laugh a few times. Because that's what this was. And I posted the link to this show from 2009 on my Twitter at Bobano. It was with Brian. Bl it was in Las Vegas, Super Bowl Sunday. That year, it was the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Arizona Cardinals in the Super Bowl. It was Big Ben's second title. And it was against Kurt Warner uh, and the Arizona Cardinals, that Super Bowl. 2009, Super Bowl Sunday, Las Vegas for Hardcore Sports Radio, the score era of sports rage. They did a Super Bowl show. It was Gabe Morenci, Cam Stewart, Brian Blessing, and Teddy Covers. And I'm telling you right now, you, you just want to have fun and, and, and laugh a little bit and smile a little bit and just really get a sense of what Brian was like. Just so easy to have, have fun with him. And he was you know, entertaining. He was funny. He had a great sense of humor. Rarely ever did I. I never saw Brian Blessing in a bad mood, never or pissed off or angry or just oh, get away from me or anything like that. I can't talk right now. No, never saw that from him. Uh, whatsoever check out that show you will smile when you listen to it uh great stuff from what uh, can't believe it's 13 years ago uh that 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 took place but uh make sure you listen to that it is worth it because it gives you a little bit of a uh, an insight and a little bit of a look toward the kind of guy 
heart of gold and truly genuine uh, through and through that Brian Blessing was. Um, all right. Um, as difficult as it is, we got to turn the page. Uh, Brian would want the show to go on, and that's exactly what's going to happen here. We got three NHL games to break down on this Monday card. Uh, Andrew, let's start with Boston and Washington, kind of two teams that are going in opposite directions at the moment. We got Washington minus 105 to minus 110, some places minus 115, uh, five and a half the total in this game, although it is six in some spots. So make sure you shop around. Now, the Bruins are playing uh, some better hockey. They enter this game feeling good. Winners of four of their last five. Three of the wins, though, were New Jersey, Detroit, Buffalo. However, finally, we can't accuse Boston of not being able to beat anybody good. They finally beat somebody good, someone really good uh, on Saturday night. A very impressive 5-2 win against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Very impressive game from the uh, Bruins. Five goals uh, in that game for the uh, Bruins uh, in the uh, victory uh, over the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, they got on the board early and often in the first period. David Posternock, uh, who has really started to get things going again offensively. We know how streaky he can be at the big goal against New Jersey um, recently. Uh, we're seeing him light the lamp now. We saw him score two uh, in the first period in that win against Tampa Bay uh, on Saturday night. Uh, Marshawn ends up chipping in two goals, including an empty netter uh, for the Bruins in that win as well. What can we say? It's basically wash, rinse, repeat, right? We've said this for a couple of years now. When the Bruins are winning, that top line, that perfection line, those players are getting it done for them. And Marshawn with two goals, Posternock with two goals in the win against Tampa Bay. So Bruins playing better hockey here. Washington slumping three straight losses for them uh, to New Jersey in overtime, 5-1 to St. Louis. Uh, and then the 3-2 shootout loss to Washington. What's interesting to me is, Andrew, Ilya Samsonov's become the forgotten man a little bit here. I mean, he is not even going to be dressed tonight for yeah. the Washington Capitals. We are looking at Vitek Vanacek coming back from his absence and available, although he will back up tonight, and he will back up suddenly someone that's back in the NHL scene and actually playing pretty solidly for the Capitals the moments he's been in net, and that's Zach Fukali. Remember him. He's played World Juniors for Canada. He's in the Montreal organization uh, way back when. And now here he is in Washington getting an opportunity and getting an opportunity, Andrew, because he's earned it. He's played well for, sure. uh, for this Capitals team. Uh, 0.42 goals against average, 980 save percentage, solid in the win uh, game against Minnesota, even though they uh, the other night uh, for the uh, Capitals in that game. Uh, you look at it, St. Louis, he relieved uh, Samsonov that night. It was a rough night for Samsonov. And then he had the shutout against Detroit in his first start uh, for the uh, Capitals. So he's played well in net. And yeah, Samsonov, yeah, has had off-ice problems too. Ted, I've heard that same thing. Maybe it's impacting him. Something is, because he's given up three goals or more in six of his last seven starts. And that's after what was a strong beginning of the year for uh, Samsonov in net. So we'll see if they can turn things around here. The the uh, Capitals are still without, you know, Backstrom's still out. Oshie's still out. Mantha's still out. Uh, Dmitry Orlov on the blue line is in COVID protocol, probably not expected to play tonight either uh, for the uh, Capitals. Although the more I look at it here, there is some good news a little bit on the horizon here is that uh, Backstrom has been removed from uh, the reserve list. Uh, ahead of this game tonight. So there is potential for him to return. And the same thing goes for TJ Oshi for Washington. So keep an eye on this. Uh, they might be able to return tonight. I don't want to say for sure, because these things are being decided upon at the pregame skate 30 minutes before puck drop in a lot of instances. So possibly they're in, they're kind of, uh, 
uh, on the trajectory of playing Backstrom and Oshie, but I don't want to say for sure until we absolutely see it. We know they're much better with Oshie. That's true. I mean, multiple, uh, I've said that multiple times. I mean, even Melissa said that uh, when she joined us as a guest on Saturday, how important Oshie was to this Capitals team. So I just get that sense. It's a Capitals type of spot here. They need to stop the bleeding. They need a win. Uh, is Boston going to bounce potentially in the wrong direction after one of the biggest wins they've had in a while against Tampa, quite possibly? I do have a small bet on Washington here uh, at even money. I like the over a little bit more, five and a half here uh, at minus 120 uh, in this game. Certainly the Bruins have been that type of team that now they've gotten their offense going. They're still a little bit sometimes difficult to trust at times in their own zone. Keep in mind, they've got some injuries on the blue line. Forbert, uh, Connor Clifton, and Zaboral are all out. Good news is McAvoy, who's missed the last two games, Charlie McAvoy for the Bruins, will return tonight and be in the lineup against Washington. So kind of against the grain. I don't love it because Washington's slumping. Boston is playing better, but I do like the Capitals a little bit and the over probably a little bit more than the side here. Five and a half minus 120. Uh, Andrew, your thoughts here? Bruins taking on the Capitals. You know what? This this card is not one that I have you know any major uh, picks on. Ian, I had a pretty good weekend of NHL betting, and uh, you know this card. There's some tougher games here, but there are a few plays that I like, and you know, it's just, it's a small play for me on the Bruins in this one. And uh, look, I, I just the the interesting thing for me in this game is that I actually liked uh, the Capitals in that game against the St. Louis Blues, and if you look at that game that they played against the Blues. And if you watch that game, you'd know that the Capitals should have been up 3 nothing in the end of that first period. Um, they ended up losing that game 5-1. to one. You know, that's one of those ones, in my opinion, where if you watch that game, the scoreboard doesn't dictate how that game went. So to me, I think that when you look at a game sometimes, like what's going on with the Washington Capitals right now, it's kind of like if you see a, a basketball player getting all these open jumpers, but they're just not falling. Do you start getting behind that team? Cause they're going to start falling or do you continue to fade them? And to me, that's kind of what I'm seeing here tonight. I'm just going to fade because um, three straight losses, two of them by one goal, one of them by kind of a route. Um, I think that Boston's turned it on right now. Defensively, they've played pretty well um, on a larger scale. And that top line, like you mentioned, is getting it going and, and starting to look like that line we know they're capable of being. And, uh, you know, the whole goaltending situation, look, you know I, I'm, I'm a Fucali fan. I talked about it before, watched them play a lot. But all of a sudden, you're the number one guy for a little for a few minutes. I mean, that's the thing. You break these records. You have two good – you know, you have one good start. Um, you stop seven shots in relief of Samsonov. You know, here's a real – start against the Boston Bruins, an unbelievable team. You're back at home in front of the fans. I, I don't know if the Boston Bruins is a team where the Washington Capitals snap out of a little mini losing streak. So we'll see what happens here. One thing as well, the Washington Capitals, to mention here, Ian, not good with the face-offs, not good in the face-off dot here. And obviously, as we know, it's an edge when you're at home. Um, they've not been good in the face-off dot, and the Boston Bruins are, uh, which is kind of a little hidden stat that people might not think of. But it definitely makes a difference in the game here. So um, I look towards the Boston Bruins to win this game. And I what I think would be actually a low-scoring game. So I'm thinking like 3-2, 3-1 type game here. We'll see. Um, look, the Capitals have made – they created a lot of chances for themselves. You look at the injury list. You can see that Washington 
has all of these question marks next to these players' names, you know? Uh, I'm curious to see if we do get Oshi back, if we do get Backstrom back. We're not quite sure. We do know that we are getting McAvoy back in the lineup. So um, I'm looking at the, the road team. Like I said, it's kind of a price pick as, as well for me. Um, don't really want to be laying minus 120 with the Capitals right now. But, you know, they, they are kind of due for an outburst, but I'm just not so, so sure it's against this Bruins team. You know what's amazing? The last four games that TJ Oshie has not played for Washington, they've lost all four. That's wow. the fascinating part. They lost 3-2 to L.A. Oshie didn't play. They lost the last three games, New Jersey, St. Louis, Minnesota. Oshie didn't play. They're actually 4-1 and one, Washington the last five games he has played. So there is some – there's definitely something to the fact of how his value and his importance to this hockey team, and it shows in the win-loss record recently. Without him, can't win. They have with him four and one right now. They, yeah. They're creating so many chances. But you can only create so many chances before you just think to yourselves, geez, these guys can't score right now. You know? Yeah, it is. It's 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 definitely been uh, an issue for them. You know, you've gotten it's been kind of disappointing lately from guys like Lars Eller, for instance. You know, Tom Wilson's offense hasn't been as as predominant lately as well. They're not getting a lot from the uh, bottom uh six forwards for the most part at the moment. Of course, Backstrom and Oshie have been out, so that's put even more strain on them to score. So it's been issues. But again, we're talking about maybe Backstrom, maybe Oshie both returning tonight for the Capitals. We'll see if that uh, impacts them here uh, a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's Clint in the chat saying the returning star fade the team with the guys returning. That's true, but that's especially true when the team's playing well prior to that. And that's not the case with Washington. Not that that may still not happen tonight. They could still lose with Oshie and Backstrom back throws off the line combinations and the rhythm a little bit, but that's especially, I think an even better and stronger angle when the team is playing good hockey going into that game with the returning player or players in this case. So uh, we'll see how this one goes. It's an interesting game to view. Uh, I kind of, I, we, we kind of like the sides we like. Andrew kind of likes Boston. I kind of <laughs> like Washington. Uh, and I do like the over a little bit here at five and a half as well. All right. Seattle, Colorado. We've got Colorado minus 350 to minus 380 uh, in some spots here as home favorite. Six and a half the total in this one. This is one spot where, look, Seattle's giving you no evidence that they could win this game or maybe even be competitive with Colorado with how bad things have been for the uh, Kraken. Uh, we're talking about a, a Seattle team that is a, a terrible 1-8 and eight, uh, in their last nine games. You look at the three of the last or five of the – or yeah, the last five losses they've had, four of them, they lost in overtime to Philly, but the other four – four to one to Anaheim, five, three to Edmonton, six, four to Calgary, five, two to Vancouver. I mean, they're losing by margin. So, you know, even if you like Seattle from a spot perspective with Colorado coming off that thrilling and thralling come from behind win against Toronto on Saturday. And what a hockey game that was uh, just absolutely tremendous. And uh, first thing I thought when that game was over is, can we get this as a Stanley cup final? I'd sign up for that uh, Leafs and abs with the skill and the talent and the speed uh, we saw. And sometimes it's, you know, think track meet, see track meet, bet track meet. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what we saw with the Leafs and the Avalanche. And I'm like, wait a minute, 10 straight games have gone over head to head Leafs and Avalanche in Colorado with the way these teams are lighting it up right now, especially Colorado, even at six and a half. How could you not? And I, and I remember I, I said yeah. maybe it'll be a low scoring game. But I'm happy I did give out Colorado on yes. the show with you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and man, oh man, that was a game. That was all of my Leafs buddies. I was I was texting them. I said, "Oh boy, you know what's about to happen, right?" 
And they, yep. they were like, no, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yep. Oh, boy, exactly. it did. It did. Yeah, I, I understand the theory for the under in that game. It's two still Stanley Cup caliber teams, or at least contenders. We think if the Leafs could ever find a way to figure it out in the playoffs, we think they could be a contender. I guess that's still uh, a big if. But right now they're playing like one, at least in the regular season. They play like a Stanley Cup contender. Uh, you think maybe hey, a big game like this, high stakes, both teams know how good the other is. Maybe you see them tighten up a little bit defensively, and it just, no, <laughs> it did not happen. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, back and forth, a lot of chances given up both ways, a lot of shot. It was a high shot, high ed- high event, but that's the new popular phrase, right? High event game, mm-hmm. that was a high event game, uh, the Leafs and the Avs. I so ask I worry- you, Ian, what do you think about these first period puck line, the prices, minus 110? Like Kyle's talking about it right now. I was talking about earlier with somebody. How how is the game minus four dollars, but the first period is like a regular minus one ten price? I'm not. I don't really understand that. How that makes any sense? That's always why I've said in these big favorite price ranges. Do you know how you have to bet these games? You have to get, do that combo bet that I've mentioned before. Like if you like Colorado, you got to do Colorado plus over five and a half goals the or something builder. like that. Same in, game, in a game like that. Yeah, same game parlay, a combo bet. Or you do a first period puck line, which is often the only type of value you can extract from a favorite laying almost minus 400 like this. Yeah, I'd say the only reason why, in my opinion, to answer my own question really, is that I think that that's kind of the period they think the opponent might give them the toughest test. Yeah. But to me, I actually think it's the exact opposite. I think realistically that, um, you know, progressively – we could actually see we could see things you know get worse as the game goes on, but at the end of the day, also like we're gonna we're gonna get Colorado's best effort, and we might see Seattle get it going in the second or third period. You know what I mean? Like I do agree that like the better team, the longer you give them, they'll show you what they have. But I don't know. I also think that you know you see Colorado go up, let's say two one in the first period. I wouldn't be shocked to see Seattle come out there with a second period and be like, all right, well, we have nothing to lose, you know, but I just thought that was interesting to bring up and discuss with you because you saw it with even the the hurricanes against the Canadians a few weeks back, there were $6 favorites, right? But the, it was like minus minus one twenty for the first period puck line against the, which I actually lost. Um, it, it, so I just found that was very, very interesting, but I saw at Pinnacle over four and a half team total was plus one twenty. The, the, the one of those Canadian books I use, Coolbet, had over three and a half. It was in the minus two hundred range, which is absurd. Wow! But you know, you're looking around for different ways to bet this game. There's a lot of different ways you can bet it. But if you're like you said, if you're not looking at making a bet like Ian's suggesting with these combos, bet builders, same game parlays, whatever you call it. You know, you're looking at chalk. Unless you're back in the dog, unless you want to take a look at Seattle team total over or something to do with Seattle, because the way I look at it, anything you're betting in this game in favor of the avalanche, you're laying down some chalk, you know. Um, and, you know, I hate these six and a half, Ian, but I'm tempted for the over six and a half here because Seattle hasn't played since New Year's Day. We're talking on January 10th right now, you and I. I mean, the theory, uh, the the layoff theory is back in action tonight. You know, I I was telling people, you know, the advice that Alex B. Smith gave that he recommended with, I've never thought of betting first period live overs before until I talked and Alex talked about it with us. 
if we see three, four minutes with no goals, all of a sudden we're getting that first period over one and a half at minus 130, 35. Sign me up for that, you know, early, 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 because I think that, you know, two, we're getting two right now at plus price or minus 160 for a one and a half. I'm not going to pay 160 for a one and a half, but I might wait and try and get a minus 130 or 40, one and a half. But what are your thoughts on the over here, these two teams here? Haven't played since New Year's Day with the Kraken. Absolutely. It's, like I say, I don't know if I love this over as much as I love the Toronto-Colorado over, but that's the bet for me. I've already locked it in, six and a half. And the reason for that is because the one thing for Colorado that I worry about is a little defensive letdown after the win against Toronto uh, the other night. I mean, it was a big win for them. Seattle is full of energy. You know, nine days since their last game. So this is one of those long hiatus type of situations. They haven't played since New Year's Day. So they are going to be, I think, definitely full of it. They're going to have definitely good legs. And look, in terms of energy and be, you know, rested, should come out flying. And that matters. I mean, this is actually a good thing playing in Denver, where, you know, the thin air altitude gets you in the third period. I think that's what happened to Toronto, too, a little bit. They just hit a wall a bit. You could tell they yeah. weren't skating and they weren't out skating Colorado in that third period like they were early in the game. I'm telling you what, it's an adjustment, especially if a team like Toronto, you play in the Eastern Conference, you only play in Denver once a year. And in fact, right. you didn't play in Denver last year because it was the Canadian division and because of COVID-19 protocol, you never played an American team last year. So really for the Leafs, it had been two years since they'd played in Denver. And man, that hit you like a ton of bricks. I mean, it's all of a sudden like you're skating in mud or quicksand or whatever you want to call it when you get to the third period in that thin air and altitude. That's why those those spots when you're playing in Denver, especially on a back-to-back, whether it's the Nuggets in the NBA or the Avalanche in hockey, those are tough on teams. You just you just don't have the stamina, especially later in the game as the game goes on, to really keep up with the pace the way it was earlier in that game as it was for Toronto Saturday. So I'm, I like the over here, six and a half. I think Seattle can contribute a little bit. It is worth noting here uh, going into this game tonight. Pavel Francouz uh, is going to be a net here for the uh, Colorado avalanche tonight. Came and uh, entered the game against Toronto uh, in relief of Darcy Kemper, who got pulled. Not so much that he was bad, but look, Colorado didn't have a good first period. Toronto jumped on them. I just think uh, Jared Bednar was looking for a spark, something to change the momentum of that game. And uh, Francois played very well when he entered that game. He only gave up one uh, goal after that on 19 shots and uh, gave Colorado uh, that opportunity to try to bounce back in that game. I'm not seeing anything in terms of COVID protocol or injury for Darcy Kemper. This is just a decision to, to, you know what, Francois is healthy now. He came into the Toronto game and played well. In relief, let's give him the start here uh, against uh, Seattle tonight. On the flip side, the part of me that's worried about the over a little bit is Grubauer against his former team. If there's ever a game that he's chomping at the bit uh, to, to be on his game and play well, it's here in Denver. His return yeah. to Denver against Colorado, against his former team. But boy, I mean, he's had a rough season. I mean, you're just going on a what if that he's fired up to play in Denver against his former team when you're seeing his numbers. This ain't no Marc-Andre Fleury. No. <laughs> I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury, I think, has shown me the ability to bring a good game, especially when he wants it. You know, I know Grubauer is probably going to want this one tonight, but my gosh, I mean, you're talking about a, a, a nine-start streak for Philip Grubauer of three goals or more allowed to the opponent. I mean, that's – and now you got to play this Colorado. And it doesn't have Landeskog. That is a good point. Uh, Landeskog's out tonight, so there's going to be some shuffling 
uh, slightly for the Avalanche in this game tonight in terms of their forward lines. Uh, last check, it looks like it's going to be Burakovsky moved up to the top line to play with uh, Nathan McKinnon and Mikko Rantanen tonight. So looks like Bednar is going to give Burakovsky that opportunity. But even with Landeskog out, they get Val Nachushkin back. Uh, he's going to return tonight, and he'll play with Kadri and O'Connor. Uh, on the second line, Nicholas Obey-Kubel, Alex Newhook, JT Comp for the third line. And then fourth line pretty much stays intact. Curtis McDermott, Tyson Jost, Darren Helm. Uh, that's what you're looking at up front for the abs tonight. So, yeah, you missed Landeskog. Of course you do. But again, without your captain, especially first game, you know, you often see teams ra- rise up. And it's not like Colorado doesn't have forward depth, right? <laughs> they've got it for They've got it for days. So I'm yeah. going to stick with it here. Over six and a half, minus 120 in this one. Uh, Andrew, I know you talked about the game already, but final thoughts here, Seattle, Colorado. Yeah, you know, I, we need uh, we need Seattle to contribute for the total. I always say it takes two to tango, but, uh, you know, I expect the energy Seattle should have and the motivation after, what was it, uh, five or I think it was, yeah, five straight losses, um, you know, since the last time they've played. The energy should be there, but also the sloppiness should be there, and they'll make you pay Colorado, you know. I was saying to a friend yesterday night, we were talking about the slate for today, and we were kind of saying, like, well, when will we see Colorado slow down? And then we started to say to each other, why? Why do why do we even think like that? I mean, sometimes you just look at it and and you think, you know what, this isn't the spot, this isn't the spot. And when this team wins, their team total hits. You know, when when they win games that are electric, it's usually high scoring. It's to nobody's shock and great on you for following the trend that that game against Toronto was just an absolute goal fest. It looked like pond hockey out there. And I think that, you know, we're going to see a motivated Seattle. I think it really fits the criteria I've used a lot this year with the long layoff plus four or five days uh, for an over. Um, and, you know, one interesting stat I had to get out real quick, Ian. Kale McCarr would be the leading goal scorer on the Seattle Kraken if he played for them. <laughs> How about that? I looked that up, I looked yeah. that up today. That's hilarious, I thought. Kale McCarr is unbelievable. No, and that's the issue. And they've got some injuries up front, Seattle. So the big if is, is Seattle going to be able to get on the scoreboard here against uh, Colorado and Francois when you've got uh, you've got Jaden Schwartz out. You've got Wenberg's played well for them at times. He's uh, possibly out tonight. Game time decision. Uh, due to a, uh, a COVID protocol, uh, and uh, Vince Dunn on the blue line, by the way, who's who would be a big loss, by the way, if he doesn't play tonight. He's actually been one of their steady eddies, if you will, uh, on the blue line for the uh, Seattle Kraken. So uh, he may not be uh, available for this game tonight, which would be significant when trying to defend that Colorado team. And here's why, Andrew, to your point, you're saying, well, what people are waiting for Colorado to stop scoring four, five, six, seven goals a game. Here's why they've done it now for eight to ten games straight. They've been healthy. The blue line has their top four mobile puck-moving, offensive-minded defensemen finally healthy, all for a consecutive stretch of games like this. I'm talking yes. about McCarr, Bowen Byram, uh, and Samuel Girard. All of those guys have tremendous offensive instincts. And I'm going to have to start throwing Devon Taves into that mix, oh, yeah. too. Because this is a guy that, if you remember back in the Barry Trotz days in the, with the Islanders, this guy was a terrific shutdown defenseman, terrific stay-at-home defenseman, outstanding in that regard. I think he's feeling now in Colorado with all the skill and talent and mobility at the back end on that blue line, I got to join the party too because the numbers that he's putting up, I'll, to put it into perspective, Andrew, Devon Taves in 2018 with the Islanders at 18 points, 
five goals, 13 assists. In 2019 with the Islanders, he had 28 points, six goals, 22 assists. Last year, or yeah, last year with Colorado, he had nine goals, 22 assists, 31 points. So more points than anything he had with the Islanders in a full season. And uh, the year before, uh, last year, the last year, that was two years with Colorado. Last year, uh, six games or six goals, 17 assists, 20, or then this year, I should say, he's got six goals, 17 assists, 23 points already. 23 points already in 20 games played this year for Devon Taves. And of course, see what he does, that great given goal play uh, yes. in overtime leading to the game-winning goal that he scores to beat Toronto on Saturday night. He suddenly feels confident to make an impact offensively, join the rush, get involved in the attack, make some plays along with all this other slew of defensemen that can do that, McCarr and Byram and Gerard. It's endless. They've got the entire fast-skating Fleet of foot, mobile blue line, healthy. They've got mostly everybody tonight outside of Landeskog healthy up front. And it's been this way consistently now for seven, eight games. So the question you ask yourself, will this stop? I'm not necessarily sure it's going to stop if they remain healthy up front and they have pretty much all their six starting blue liners and defensemen available. And, and like I keep tough. saying, these defensemen jumping in, Ian, it's not helping the case defensively f- for them sometimes because the defensemen are turning into forwards and it leads to odd man rushes. And I think I've said that the last three times we've talked about Colorado and what's happened. Every single goal they get scored against is usually an odd man break the other way. It's never a five-on-five goal. I mean, sometimes there are, but if you look at some of the goals the Maple Leafs scored that night, they weren't all beauties. You know, they weren't all real nice goals. It was, you know what? This guy forgot to, forgot to mark his man. This guy forgot to fill in for Makar at the blue line. That's what happened. And if you look at the games where they're, you know, getting scored on by some teams, which hasn't really been that much recently, like, you know, looking back, that Philadelphia game where they won 7-5, that was as sloppy as it could get in that game. But there's so much talent on Colorado. And let's be honest here. If we're talking about NHL futures for a second, neither of those teams, Toronto or Colorado, is a team that we want to be impressed with if you're playing in these types of games. Hockey, playoff hockey is so much different. All jokes aside, you know I love having my fun with Leaf fans because they give it to me with the Montreal Canadiens. But I can't take any team seriously that's consistently involved. And I've given respect to the defense and you know it for the Leafs this year on the show, but it was almost too predictable. You know, I thought we might see, I gave him, I wanted to see an under, I thought we were going to see it, but same thing with Colorado. Like the pro the difference between Colorado and the Leafs is that on a 99 basis, this team is scoring seven, 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 four, 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 seven, five. They make it look easy scoring four or five. It's almost like, a shock to nobody if their team scores six goals. Yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely true. And with Colorado, look, Colorado is going to have a few nights like any team does where maybe they get the chances still and tons of good looks, quality, uh, you know, chances, quality shots on goal, a lot of rubber at the net, and the puck just doesn't go in. That's going to happen a handful of times to every single team. And Colorado will have one of those nights where, hey, Maybe we didn't play that bad. Maybe we still generated a lot offensively, but we only scored two goals. It was just one of those nights the puck didn't go in or the goalie was pretty good at the other end. But I'm saying just in terms of generating those high-quality chances, I think as long as they stay healthy up front and stay healthy on the blue line, like they have the last, what, seven to ten games, they're going to generate their chances, and they're going to have a good chance to hit four-plus goals. 
in a lot of those games and pay off a lot of those chances because they just make those quick plays. The, the brain thinks quick, feet move quick, and they just make those plays that stay one step ahead of the opposing team trying to defend them. Yeah. I think that's what you see with this Colorado team. Chemistry. Night in, night it's out. huge on the team. It's huge for them. Yep. No doubt. So uh, I think we both kind of make a case for the over here tonight with uh, Seattle uh, and Colorado here, six and a half. I, I nothing to do with the side. I mean, it's just too much of a price. It's not like it's a terrific Colorado spot off a huge comeback win against Toronto. But are we really? Am I really going to trust Seattle to go in there and win? It's, I can't with the way they've played lately and the layoff. Who knows what you're going to get from the crack? And I, I do think we'll get sloppy play because of the fact it's been nine days since we last saw them in game action. Well, it's funny, and I know we've got to get to the Rangers and Kings game here in a second, but one thing I did think was kind of, uh, you know, I'm looking at this board, right? We're, we're looking at this game, and th- initially I was like, you know what? It might be a kind of a sneaky contrarian play to look at a team total over for the Kraken. Then I said to myself, dude, you could easily see like a 5-2 win for the Colorado Avalanche, and it would not surprise anybody in the world. If you like the team total over for Seattle, I was like, oh, you know what? Just take the full game over because, you know, both teams are going to get theirs, I think. But it also wouldn't shock me if Colorado just blew them out. And I'd feel very stupid if I had a team total over for Seattle and, and you know, Colorado won like 7-2 or something. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned 5-2. The last lot, the game for Seattle before the pause that they just had, 5-2 loss to Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> right? There you go. It can happen. Uh, no question about that. So uh, interesting game, though, because Seattle off the layoff, you know, we'll see if this should be this should be probably a high event game. That's the thing, too. If you're going to bet an over six and a half, you have to predict a high event game, you know, and I think this could be one of those high event games here tonight. And another th- uh, to m- one uh, last point I want to make about belaboring the ish- a point I made initially about Colorado and how they think quick and they move their f- skates and their feet quick and it stays one step ahead of the defense and that's why they score so many of their goals defense can't react because they just think the game so quickly and they move the puck so quickly and they skate so fast look at the goal for the the play that Miko Rantanen made against Toronto behind the back of the net uh backhand pass through the legs Toronto can't that's indefensible and that's nothing Jack Campbell can do in that situation that's just high intellect very well too Campbell exactly fast thinking a great play behind the legs pass out in front, bam, the Campbell's still looking for the puck of thinking they were going to wrap it around the other side. There's nothing Toronto, Toronto can do defensively there. You can't say, Oh, the Leafs, what a joke defensively that was. No, that's just a highly skilled, tremendous play and a quick thinking rapid fire decision ranting and fire the puck between my legs backhand from behind the net out in front. Nobody, no defenseman, no goaltender, including Campbell could react to that. No way, no how. Those are the kind of plays Colorado makes, Andrew. Yeah. yeah. And they make it consistently. Yeah. Nobody I'm happy. React I, I'm happy I don't have as much to say about the next game. We've spent a lot of time on this. I know. <laughs> Let's jump into the Rangers and Kings. We will, exactly, because uh, you're right. Three games, but that's the nice thing about a short card. You could really, really dissect them. Definitely. And, uh, and I enjoy the that. back and forth with you instead of just one person saying one thing and moving on, you know. But Yeah. Yeah, because when it's a bigger card, we got to keep the show moving. We can't have it two hours or anything like that. Uh, but when you can just t- talk about the three games more in depth, like on a shorter card like today, it's a, it's definitely great to uh, be able to discuss them in depth. Uh, how about our last game? Here we go. New York Rangers, Los Angeles Kings, even money both sides, five and a half the total in this game. Uh, the LA Kings, I want to give them their due here. Um, you know, we've seen this LA Kings team 
uh, play some pretty good hockey, better hockey of late uh, at home here. Uh, they've uh, really fe- uh, been doing well here at the uh, Crypto Arena uh, lately. Three wins in their last four at home, Vancouver, Philly, and Detroit. However, you know, the one loss was to Nashville, and that was the best team of the bunch there that they played. I like Vancouver, too, because they were playing better uh, as well during that time. But still, you get my point. You know, a lot of these wins, Washington, when they beat Washington, they were struggling. Uh, the L.A. Kings, they lost to uh, Florida. Or actually, they beat Florida, but they lost to Carolina uh, after that. The, the Florida win, I want to mention that because I remember it. 4-1, they beat Florida. Florida was ravaged, absolutely ravaged at that time. So you could poke holes in a lot of these Kings wins, uh, the bottom line here uh, as of late. Rangers, 4-1 uh, to win against Anaheim uh, on uh, Saturday night. Very a solid win. Man, they didn't give Anaheim anything. 40, 14 shots on goal for the Anaheim Ducks in that game. 40-14 to in favor of the Rangers. So you talk about cleaning up the defensive game. After a disappointing setback against Vegas, 5-1. Boy, the Rangers did that. Uh, one of their better team defensive games of the season. We'll see if they carry that over here. Kind of makes me think that the under might be, this might be your low-scoring game of the night, potentially, uh, just because you saw that great defensive effort. I think we're probably going to see in net for the Rangers again, Georgiev. I don't know if uh, Shesterkin's going to be ready for protocol. He's got to go through those two negative tests in a row before he comes off protocol. Will that be tonight? That remains to be seen. They've got Georgiev as the projected starting goalie. It'll be Cal Peterson uh, in net tonight for the uh, LA Kings. Uh, that is confirmed. Keep in mind, Kings still uh, a little bit shorthanded on the blue line. Edler, Sean Walker in particular uh, out on the blue line. A couple key def- uh, depth forwards for the uh, Rangers also missing. We know Blaze been out for a while, but just recently, Julian Gauthier, Dryden Hunt, Ryan Reeves. Uh, on the uh, COVID protocol list for them. Dryden Hunt's actually had a nice season at times for the Rangers this year, so they re- miss him a little bit. Uh, lean under, lean Rangers. Don't love either one, but I would lean in those two directions here tonight. Again, with the LA, it seems like there's been instances where I've bet against them. They've won and they bit me, but I, I got to think when you look at their recent schedule, you really thumb through it, and you see a lot of wins against the weak, the poor sisters, uh, and not so much against the uh, better teams here. Uh, like I say, Nashville was their uh, best opponent, I think, in the last four games, five games. That's the one they lost. So, And now you're playing a pretty good Rangers team. So, And you know how my affinity for the Rangers. I've looked to back them a lot. Uh, I'm not looking to go against them in this spot here. Andrew, your thoughts, Rangers and Kings? Yeah, very similar to you. Uh, I, you know, I, I'll say this. One thing I've been saying about this Rangers team is sometimes you need to face adversity. I kind of like that that team lost against the Vegas Golden Knights because it humbles you wakes you up and says, hey, look, you know, let's stay focused here. If they didn't lose that game to Vegas, I might not have been so bullish on that game against Anaheim. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that's a bounce back angle, right? And I think that was good for them to have. And they played very well defensively. So I'm in the same boat as you. I like the under as well, but I also like the Rangers a little bit more. Uh, Old-fashioned handicapping term, I I hear a coworker of mine, Marco D'Angelo, use quite a bit, fat and sassy. Well, I know it's one game, but L.A., they dominated the Red Wings. I'll tell you what, the Rangers aren't the Red Wings, and I feel like they'll find that out tonight. So I think at a pick em price, I can't ignore the Rangers tonight. All right, like in the uh, Rangers and here. And Redman uh, might, might be back tonight, too. Yeah, uh, Artemi Panarin. Panarin. Good point. Uh, very possible that he, uh, he is back, actually. We, we will confirm that right now. He's exited protocol. 
yeah. which means he's probably going to play tonight. And now it's not confirmed he's playing, but he's exited protocol. He cleared protocol yesterday for the New York Rangers. So obviously that's a, a significant return, obviously, for them, for a team that's already certainly got their share of firepower up front with the likes of Capo uh, Kako, Mika Zibanejad, Ryan Strom, Chris Kreider. Uh, Lafreniere starting to pick his game up a little bit. Yeah, it's looking good out there, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Not only scoring, but making plays, setting up yeah. his teammates. He's been doing that a lot better lately as well. Philip Heedle, uh, I'm impressed with his play as a depth center on this team as well. He continues to play solid uh, for the New York Rangers. So, uh, I've been impressed yeah. with their time of possession, the way they maintain yeah. possession. and Because they're not really a huge That's team. the way Gallant wants to play. You know, puck yeah. possession, keep the puck. And because if you have the puck, good things are going to happen and bad things won't happen if you have the puck. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The way they maintain possession behind the net, they're really, if you notice, they love being from behind the net. The players will cycle the puck behind the net. The goalie's constantly looking this way, looking that way, has no idea where the puck is. And then they chip it out to the point, slap shot from Truba, and they try and chase for rebounds. So I think it's worked out well for them. And, you know, the thing is, the Kings have good defensive forwards, but I don't know if they can trade chances with the New York Rangers. Does the road trip factor mean anything to you here, Ian, at all for the Rangers? It was well, when you I considered, look, but. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, the, the road trip's a long one. It's not over after tonight. They go to San Jose uh, after this, and that game is going to be on uh, Thursday night, uh, January 13th. Then they go to Philly uh, back east on Saturday, and that's a road game. So uh, if they win tonight, you know, the San Jose spot would be the dicey one where maybe hey, maybe that's the spot you just back off. Or just over. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and San Jose certainly uh, a team that uh, uh, struggled defensively in their goaltending, whether it's Ryan, especially Reimer lately. I don't know what's happened since the uh, Christmas yeah. break, but it's been a totally different James Reimer in net uh, for the San Too Jose. Too much uh, rum and eggnog, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Or just, uh, I don't know what it is, but uh, too much celebrating, too much fun. At yeah. Christmas time, I don't know what, but it's not the Rhymer we saw prior to the Christmas break where he was actually having a pretty damn good season for the Sharks. Not so much since yeah. the break. So that's up next for the Rangers. And then they play uh, in Philly uh, after uh, that. Uh, and let me see, do they have any other road games uh, after that or do they go home after that? Yeah, they go home against Toronto after that game in Philadelphia. And that Toronto game is not until uh, it looks like, uh, wow, that's going to be on Tuesday or Wednesday even. Yeah, that's going to be a Wednesday game against the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs at home. So after the Philly game on Saturday, uh, January 15th, uh, the Rangers are back home against the Toronto Maple Leafs next Wednesday, uh, January 19th. So they get a little break. That's a nice – keep an eye on those scheduling situations. Not all first game back home after a road trip spots are equal. Mm-hmm. All right? You got to look. Is there a day off following the road trip? Two days off? Three days off? Getting more downtime? better for the team coming off that road trip yes. i'll tell you Ian, that's been the the bulk of my success the nhl season has been these scheduling spots if you're a scheduling or situational handicapper i think that you're doing better right now than some of the analytical guys because sometimes these spots that don't make sense like yesterday for example i had the over in that ducks and wings game i know it didn't fly no. over by any means but when you look at that game it was two teams i thought that saturday night got embarrassed and they play against Sunday. Some might say, you know what? Those two teams played horribly. Why should I think they're going to go over? You know, the urgency, the Maxime Comtois said that the beat the other team, right? Yeah, exactly. You think you can get up for it. And and Comtois said at the end of the Saturday night game against uh, the Rangers, it's a chance to turn the page. And, And they did, you know, 
Yeah, and turning a page, and because they know they, we score one goal against the New York Rangers, we're not going to win any hockey game scoring one goal. Uh, and uh, that's the way it is. Now, obviously, they gave up a ton of shots as well. They wanted to clean yeah. that up. But they wanted to obviously play with the puck more and be assertive and get more offensive zone time and chances, and they did. They played that way, and kind of Detroit played that way after. Because, look, they got outshot 27-2 to in the first period against the Los Angeles Kings. Yes. So what are they thinking early in the game? We got to get our offense going a little bit. We can't have two shots in the first period. Yeah. We got to we got to quadruple that six yeah. times that, uh, if we, you know, which is really what they should be doing because yeah. they, they quadrupled two shots in the first period uh, against LA last night. They would have still only had eight shots on goal in the first period. That's how yeah. bad they were, and that just badly outplayed in that first period against the Kings, the Detroit Red Wings, the other night. But uh, I remember when I used to play sports, I you know if you if you lost if you had a, if you had a bad game personally. And you can you don't play for another like six days. It sucks, you know, yep. waiting that long. You'd rather, you know, I got to make up for that bad game I just had for my team, you know. So, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, definitely an interesting uh, development there. Uh, yeah, someone in our chat, Ralph Bryant, mentioning the fact that yeah, for Colorado they play in Nashville tomorrow night. That's a that's actually I think a game for Colorado where they're actually looking to avenge. Uh, a lost and they're only lost like the last 10 games was to Nashville five, two. Uh, so yeah, that game is of significance, to, but that's another reason why that's why I'm not taking Colorado tonight. Ralph uh, is because I don't love this spot off the Toronto win, the Nashville game tomorrow night. You got a little old Seattle expansion team trotting into Denver uh, tonight to play you. That's why the over is my preferred route uh, in that game, because I think Seattle may be a little lethargic, you know, mindset might creep into Colorado a little bit. They get their uh, at least a few goals in Colorado, even if they're kind of not at their best, they're still at home. You would think going to find the back of the net quite a bit uh, here against Seattle. So, but I understand the spot, Ralph, don't no doubt about it, not a Colorado spot and you got to lay minus three eighty. you know? So I understand that Uh, there's no doubt. There's, there's no avalanche bets at all for me tonight. None, zero, no first period bet, no puck line bet, no regulation bet. And sure as fuck, no money line bet at minus 380. You, you uh, aren't right. laying that price, eh? No, it's <laughs> not going to happen. Not anytime soon. Not in my lifetime. Great stuff. I, I wouldn't show. do it if you gave me 400 bucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still wouldn't uh, lay yeah. that kind of price. Absolutely right. Great stuff, Andrew. What a discussion. Only three games, and yet we still went an hour because uh, we really wanted to dive into them. Fun course, show, man. Our, yeah, we paid our tribute as well to Brian Blessing at the beginning of the show, which I wanted to do uh, as well. Before we wrap it up, a reminder, DraftKings Sportsbook, official sports betting partner of the NHL and also great partners with us here at the hockey podcast network uh, and the ice guys, a reminder that uh, new customers, you can get involved with DraftKings Sportsbook. All you need to do is basically bet $1 on any NHL game and win a hundred dollars in free bets. If either team scores a goal, uh, that's all you got to do. Uh, so get involved with that. Take advantage of it. If DraftKings Sportsbook isn't available in your state, you can still play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game. Win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 years of age or older. Must reside in a DraftKings Sportsbook state. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Download the DraftKings app. Sign up for an account. Use the promo code THPN. All right, it is time for best bets. Three games to choose from. Uh, Andrew, we'll start with you. Monday night best bet. What do you like? I'm going to rock with the Bees, uh, the Bruins on the money line. Uh, I just, you know what? I think Washington's created chances, but uh, their inability to finish has just kind of gotten me off them for a second here. I think the Bruins are getting hot. I'll take them on the plus 100. All right, Boston Bruins plus 100. Uh, Best bet for Andrew McGinnis here on this uh, abbreviated uh, Monday uh, NHL card. Uh, I'm going to go with the uh, Seattle, Colorado over six and a half. There's nothing I love tonight, but of the best of the bunch, if you will, on a small card, it's that one. Uh, Seattle, Colorado over six and a half. Seattle, uh, eight and five to the over on the road this year. Colorado, 10 and four to the over at home this year. Uh, Colorado, we know how they've been trending totals wise, uh, eight or seven, two and one to the over in their last 10 games. Seattle's been surprisingly one of the stronger over teams, believe it or not, this year, 21 and 10. In fact, these two teams combined, how about 42 and 17 to the over this season? That's excluding pushes, 42 and 17 to the over. Seattle and Colorado combined. So Kraken, Avs, over six and a half for me. Uh, for my best bet. That'll wrap up this edition of the Ice Guys. Thanks to everyone for joining us. We appreciate it. Hit the like button if you're watching on YouTube on the way out. Reminder, the Ice Guys is live seven days a week, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Download the Ice Guys podcast when you can't watch the show live. I'm excited to say that Alex B. Smith is expected to rejoin the show on Thursday. Uh, We're definitely uh, looking forward to having our friend uh, Alex back with us here on the Ice Guys later this week. Uh, For Andrew McGinnis, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Monday night. Enjoy the games and good luck. And enjoy the college football uh, national championship game uh, as well. And we'll talk to you tomorrow on Tuesday for another edition of the Ice Guys presented by the Hockey Podcast Network.